funny because I had two qualities that took me down that path. One was I was good at being that leader and that sales kind yeah. of mindset. But the second one is I didn't want to be the guy that was a control freak, which is really also odd for the IT industry. Those guys yes. want to control everything. Right? So those two things yeah. together led me to be a pretty good entrepreneur, also led me to be a pretty good salesperson, also led me to be a pretty good leader. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. I'm pumped. I got Chris Weiser here. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, I don't, I don't think I told you this in the green room, but just to be just like you, I brought my uh, my what? own Luca hat, <laughs> so we can be matching today. So I'm very excited Dude. about that. I actually do have. This is my hat I wore a lot. Actually, I, I have another one that is a Hurley hat that got stolen a couple weeks ago in Phoenix. So back to the back to old faithful. Dude, it, I was just thinking this morning too. It's really funny you say that because I was thinking I was like, oh man, I was running. I was I was getting some training and stuff, and I was like, oh, I gotta make sure I get red. And I was like, oh man, I've been wearing this hat too much on this podcast. So now yeah, I whatever. think you might be like doubled it up. So I, maybe I should just retire it, just because like you you met you met me at the point of connection. Check this out. This has nothing to do with anything, but I think you'd be a guy that would just get a kick out of this. I saw this on Instagram right before I left. You ever seen this sport? Oh, I have seen that. Yeah. I actually grew up driving race cars, so I kind of pay attention to stuff like this. I have seen that. Yes, I have seen that. Those guys are crazy. Those guys are crazy, man. Well, dude, let's let's dive into this. Let's dive into this. And for anybody that doesn't notice, what wiser you teach? IT service providers had to double their reoccurring revenue in six months. Yep. Six months, you build out a lot of different things, but it did not start like this. Am I right? Yeah. So I, I actually I, I want to go. I, I started as them. So yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you go with it. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm interested to hear what what was that start from from the beginning. A lot of what moved Entrepreneur Evolved is about is learning about. Where's the beginning? Because we always hear about, we all see the marketing ads, right? But those aren't yep. always the yep. truth. And in the back room, we were just talking about transparency and like how important it is. And so I think it'd be cool to hear like, where, where did that entrepreneurial trigger work with you? Was it a family owned business you saw that were inspired? Did you have a friend's dad who made money? You said, I got to be like him. What, what, where were you? It's an interesting question. I've actually never been asked where it started. Um, I started really early. I'm 45 here in 2022 got to be 46 to end of the year. Um, I started selling websites when I was 16. So I don't know if it was just something you think about what that industry was like back then. That's like 92, which means it was like dial up AOL land mm-hmm. back, back I then. remember. So um, yeah, we, we remember, but the kids that are watching this, yeah. they don't even know what we're talking yeah. about. My 18 my year old niece lives with me and I mentioned dial up to her last night and she's like, what? Like she didn't even know what, she doesn't even know what that is. Like no concept of it. So, you know, I think I look back on that and early on, for some reason, I was entrepreneurial in my head. I really, like my mom was this, was a medical company clinic administrator for an orthopedic clinic. My dad was a school teacher. So there was not a whole lot of uh, entrepreneurial spirit that I was really exposed to. It's just something I think I was, I gravitated to naturally and like I said, I was selling websites. In fact, what I was doing, I was fans of these race car drivers. I grew up in a racing family. My dad was a weekend warrior, dirt track driver in, in Wisconsin. DuPont. 
<laughs> that's that's Jeff Gordon, buddy. That's different. oh, that's, that's Jeff the Gordon. Old, that's the old Rainbow Warriors. That's different. Uh, but he was a weekend warrior, meaning that on the weekend, you know, during the week he was a school sure. teacher, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade school teacher, and on the weekends he was uh, was one of Wisconsin's most famous race car drivers. But yeah. I saw these guys that were like famous race car guys, and websites started coming up, and domain names started coming up, and all this stuff. So I started to buy up their domain names, and I would go back and kind of like. I wasn't trying to squat on them or poach them, but I was trying to go back to them and say, Hey, I got your domain. Let's work something out. I'll do your website for you. Or you can just have the domain. I wasn't doing anything sketch even at, even at that, but that's pretty entrepreneurial even back then. Yeah. So, you know, I look at kind of how that has evolved and, you know, the one thing that I've had that's really brought me, and I know we'll talk a little bit deeper about this, but one of the things that I've had that's brought me all the way to where I'm at now at 45 is I have a lot of discipline, a lot of staying power. My head marketing coach on my in my coaching program calls it stamina. So it's one of the mm. things that I've really had that staying power, work on something for a long-term repetitive, staying with it and not giving up. I think that's a really big test. That's a really good here. point to stick in here early. Absolutely. Yeah, that's like a muscle that you created. Did, mm-hmm. did you have it, do you think, when you were younger? Do you think it was natural or did you create, did you uh, develop would be the, the maybe the other word? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's some of it in there. But as as youth, we're all kind of scattered and lazy. I was I was definitely a lazy kid. I will, t- I will tell you that. I, I was really good in school, but I didn't like to do homework, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think I definitely developed the discipline um, of that after a, a pretty long period. And it's just one of those things that you got to work on and you got to make sure it's there. One of the things I think is interesting if you started off, so would you say that you started off more of the IT person or did you notice that IT had a sellability and then you figured out how to run the IT? How did you position yourself? Yeah, great question. Um, I was good at being a self-starter, not necessarily IT, but I, but I was... I had a high technology aptitude. So I, like when I was a kid, I had computers out of the box. I had, you know, things when I was very young. In fact, I, I still remember sitting there in my parents' den uh, in 1991 and I upgraded our Windows 3.1 computer that I had campaigned with my mom to get. I upgraded it to Windows 95 using floppy disks. Like mm, it's stuff oh, that yeah, I was just good at. Yeah, so, I, yeah. so I think just like a lot of entrepreneurs do, you start with a passion, something you're kind of, you know, good at. And then you turn that into something with money and something I've really become good at now is monetizing and scaling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think you kind of take that combo of what that was and it's turned into being good at technology, staying ahead of the curve. You know, we we can talk about this as as we go here, but those are some really core key things that I started with. And then when you, because uh, that was the era, did you run into, because that's, um, I'm, I'm pretty early. I'm probably started, I started the tinker of uh, uh, AOL, probably 97, 98, you know, yeah. it was kind of like, you kind of felt guilty doing it because you didn't know what the heck this thing was. And you're like talking to someone across the country because state, yeah. which was nothing probably who, who they were. Everybody was hiding anyways. But yeah. um Talk about a weird feeling when you'd come home and it'd be like, you got mail. And you're like, what the heck? The last thing I had was a, uh, what was it? A pen pal that you'd be able to talk to someone across at that age. Yeah. right? Well, and I got in trouble from my parents because I ran up, we lived kind of in the country in rural Wisconsin oh, I and I ran and I ran up a long distance cell phone or like a telephone bill over dial up because I was on, I was on AOL. I graduated high school in 95. Mm-hmm. I was on AOL when I was a freshman. 
So that was super early in that. And then I went to work after I actually, after I graduated high school, I went to work at a dial up ISP an internet service (laughs) provider. Um, And I, I, you heard me mention the aptitude thing, but then, you know, within six months of being there, I was running their help desk and just working, just leading. So I've been, I've definitely been a natural leader. Okay. Um, And that came early, but then turning into entrepreneurial mindset and, and entrepreneurship and, making money and all these other things, especially being, you know, there's a big difference between I can make money in a given setting versus I can sustain that and turn it into wealth. There's a big difference there. Mm, so great conversation that, that was developed, that was learned. Um, but, and I will tell you, I love my brother. Great example. Love my brother, but same exact skill sets as me, if not better. And he's 42 years old and unemployed. Um, and the only difference, again, love him. This is not a bash on him. I say this right to his face. The only difference is discipline. Mm. So he hasn't, you know, he hasn't taken those skills and turned it into something and had staying power in that long-term stuff. But let, let's dive it, into that a little bit. Cause I talk money. about yeah. that a, a lot and I talk about it in, in a context of martial arts a lot, because I just always talk about that on this podcast. It's addiction that I have. So I always bring it up. But a lot of that is if it fits. (laughs) And I have a guy over here. I get away with it, I guess. But at the end of the day, like, I think that it's really important to really talk about what that really means. And I think that when you say staying power, I think the part that people miss is the mundane, boring. I shouldn't be here. I'm still here. You know, it's almost like working out a little bit when you're sick. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, I'm still not feeling good, but I'm still going to go for a little walk and keep me going. Do you and think it's interesting that, I think you bring that up? Yeah, I got a good mm. point on this because I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm, trying, I'm looking at my phone here yesterday because I was talking to a friend of mine that is he's actually taking me to dinner tonight uh, and we're going on a little mandate. But um, one of the things that I said to him, this is I'm literally going to read right off my screen here. Because he's, he's working at a solar company. He's talking about, and he's like 26 years old, met him through another. And he's kind of like, I'm mentoring him a little bit. He's a friend of mine, good kid here in Austin, Texas. He's got a nice family and all this other stuff. But he's talking about kind of breaking out onto his own or how can I do this, et cetera. Mm. And I said to him, um, the big factor that I have is you have to make sure, what did I say here? I said, um, the thing that you have to do is find one thing and master it. You can't be too greedy and try and do all of it. And what a lot of people do is they leave their jobs. They start their little entrepreneurship thing. They last three months. They get scared. There's that stamina, that stating part. And it's literally exactly what I said to him right here. They get scared and then they go get another job because it's not easy money or it's not coming fast enough. And, you know, I think it's a really good point. You look at my brother, I look at all these other people that are out there that fail as entrepreneurs. No, we all fail as entrepreneurs. I fail Mm -hmm. 10 times a day as an entrepreneur, but I don't give up. And that's the big factor. I know myself. I trust myself. I know what I'm capable of. And it's, and I just execute until I find something that works. And sometimes it goes down the right path. We've definitely, I guarantee you, both you and I have had fails. Mm -hmm. I fail a lot every single day. I've had business fails, but I don't give up on it. And I move down this path towards I'm going to win. And I will tell you when it really became reality to me was when, and I'm sitting in a, the reason I'm sitting in my living room right now was I'm in a brand new house that I've been in in three weeks. And this is a big house. And when my wife said to me, she goes, you told me you wanted to get this house and I didn't even debate it. 
I knew you could do it. She's like, it doesn't matter what you want to do. And this is, you talk about a, a testament as a husband, as a entrepreneur, all these things. Um, it's, that is like the testament of, wow. Like when your wife says, the partner person you chose as a partner says, I don't know what it is or care, but it's going to, you're going to win, period. And I think that that is also accepting the conversation that you're saying is also accepting that you're not going to win maybe right away. I, I think an interesting conversation, um, because I think this goes up in your alley, is that I often talk about skill sets sometimes um, are in a line of a type of person. And I think that being an IT and you have you have a, a good personality. I don't mean it like that. Anybody that's IT, I didn't really mean it like that. But if anybody has hired IT people, sometimes it's just good to put them in a room and be like, look, do your thing. So when you look at IT and you see the way that IT has gone, how have you found your way to play both cards? Because that's that's a talent. That's not a normal. It's re really well said. You're 100% accurate because most IT guys, most technical people are very, you know, and I do my personality profiling using the DISC chart. I don't know if, if anybody's watching this Google DISC, it's D-I-S-C. means dominance, influence, steadiness, and compliance. Most IT guys are introverts. They're very steady. They're very compliant, but they're not natural leaders. They're also not natural salespeople. So when they go to sell or when they go to build their business, they're leading with the tech first, which is great mm -hmm. and fine. You're going to do good at product delivery, but the things that you're going to struggle with are going to specifically be, I need to sell or I need to sell profitably and I need to lead. So they really struggle with that. So you mm -hmm. heard me even say early on, I was a natural leader. I was good at doing the sales stuff. I'm unique in that sense. I will 100% say from coming into IT guy land and, and when I'm talking about IT, the Chris Weiser way, uh, my, my brand is called Seven Figure MSP. MSP means managed service provider and it is outsourced IT for small to medium-sized business. So that's what I created. That's what I was, but I focused on selling first. I was a decent at tech, but I would, ray, ray, and actually it's funny because I had two qualities that took me down that path. One was I was good at being that leader and that sales kind yeah. of mindset. But the second one is I didn't want to be the guy that was a control freak, which is really also odd for the IT industry. Those guys yes. want to control everything, Correct. right? So those two things yeah. together led me to be a pretty good entrepreneur, also led me to be a pretty good salesperson, also led me to be a pretty good leader, which allowed me to kind of stay out of the trenches, mm allowed me to grow my business from, a, you know, from, I don't want to say afar from, but surely not working in it. I was working on it. And those are yeah. big, big differences. And what we do now is we try and, you know, our goal, and you're, you mentioned in your open, um, our program teaches IT service providers, managed service providers, how to double their recurring revenue in six months or less. We give them systems, process, and structure, things that they're already comfortable with to help them come out of their shell a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the huge advantage they have right now in this world is cybersecurity. Hacking is taking, you know, it's impacting everyone. And the IT services went from a, oh, it's nice to have to a, if I don't have this, my business, I don't care how big or small, my business has to have cybersecurity. And protection. what are some of the things, and, I, and I'm kind of cutting through because I think I want to tap mm -hmm. on that a little bit. Um, what are some of the things in cybersecurity that we are seeing that are issues? Because that's definitely not a conversation that I've had on this podcast very much. Sure. Uh, well, the, the challenge that all these small businesses have is they have an uneducated workforce. And the uneducated workforce, and that does not mean uneducated as lawyers or doctors or accountants or whatever you are, 
But in terms of looking at an email and note the hackers are getting really good. I said for a long time when the hackers know how to spell or when they learn how to spell, because we all, we all got that email from a Nigerian prince offering us a million dollars, right? We all got that. What are you talking about? It's not real. <laughs> You're the guy. I, I now, now I know the truth. You're the guy. Hold on. But, Hold but on. You can, hey, remember that guy? <laughs> <laughs> but, but we all got that email and we could always tell it's like, this is the dumbest email I've ever seen. Every other word is misspelled and it's a stupid, yeah. but, na- but now the hackers have, they're resident in people's systems. They're, so they're sitting on the average IT companies, or uh, sorry, the, the average small business in their infrastructure for six months before they attack, watching patterns, watching what's happening. Mm. They know who the CEOs talk and, and they're literally sitting there monitoring and they're patient and they have discipline and they have these giant deals. And then when they see it ready, they send the right email and the right person clicks on the email and it opens up Pandora's box and they go take money because that's what the hackers are after now. You know, for a long time, it was, oh, we're going to lock you out and try and get a ransom. Now it's, we're going to get access to your bank account and bleed you dry. And they're really yes. doing that. And what a lot of people, what a lot of the small businesses have said is, I don't have anything hackers care about. Okay, so maybe you can restart your business. Well, and that was literally their mindset because for a long yeah. time, hackers were coming in, locking their networks up. Okay, we'll just restore from backup or we'll just write, you know, we'll move over to paper. Oh, yeah, that, this is what happened. But now what the hackers are doing, they're coming in resident, watching for weeks and months, and then they're accessing their bank account and taking all the money out of the bank accounts. And so, so, the, so the whole ideology of I don't have anything hackers want is now out the window as a, as a business because there's not a human being in, you know, forget the rest of the world, but let's just take America. Like you and I are yeah. both in the States. I'm in Austin, you're in San Diego. Um, there's not a human being that is an entrepreneur or a business owner or even an employee that can afford to have their bank account emptied. And then what happens, and here's the other, the other gotcha. What happens then if you say, oh, I'll just file an insurance claim and the insurance company comes back to you and says, you weren't doing anything for cybersecurity. We're not going to pay your claim because that's what's happening now. So the small business is moving over. So you talk about a perfect, in fact, we call it in my sales presentations to our prospects and our clients. I'm presenting live on stage at a live event in Dallas next week that we're hosting. We call it the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm for, for my prospect or my client to go in there. But, but let's not forget that how did they originally sell? They sold tech first. They sold. Got it. They, it, it they, yeah. So they're in this world where they massively undercharged for a long, long time. And now the market has shifted and they're not. So we teach them how to take, how to make that shift. And that's actually a really interesting conversation because, it, and there, this might be a, a question after that I'd ask you. One of them is at what stage should a business owner in their evolution start looking at that cybersecurity? At what, at what stage should that be triggering them? I mean, right now, a lot of people on a solo entrepreneur standpoint, they're more afraid of losing their Facebook account or their Instagram yeah, account. Yeah. So yeah, what it stage should be, it, are people Honestly, it, it needs to be now. It needs to be. And to give you an idea, uh, you heard me just mention my friend thinking about solar. I told him he needed to make sure he's got MFA on everything, multi-factor authentication on everything. Because the, the thing that the hackers are doing they're not targeting you, really. Very few of them, very few of us are being targeted. We better be very high net worth and we better be 
out there so they know who we are. But you know what they're doing? They're throwing out blankets. And yeah. then whoever does something dumb, it's like shooting up a flare. And then they're like, Whoa! and they pounce on you because they know that you're a dummy kind of thing in their head and you got exposure. So, you know, you need to either be educated. So let's go back to the Chris mentioned yeah. the educated workforce. You need to make sure you and your staff and your team are educated to look for potential threats. And, and we're not, you know, I'm not even an IT guy at this point anymore. We're just talking about this, sure. but, but it's a conversation I have with my clients every single yeah. day and my staff every single day. And I spend a lot of money. Uh, I have about 20 full-time staff in my company right now with about 20, 20 more contractors and virtual assistants. Um, we only give certain people access to our internal networks. Um, everything is multi-factor protected. I have a full-time IT guy. Uh, he's exactly, he's, he's in fact my very first client. Um, they protect us, but and to give you an idea how potential it is, I had a third-party digital contractor um, get their one of their computers uh, compromised and my Facebook account got hacked. Ooh. And I was in Facebook jail for about 45 days, I'm still still dealing with it. Wow. So what, it this is an interesting one. And, and us, yeah. I've all, you've had this too. I think it's because we've been doing this for so long. I think it's a good answer. You could give this one. You know that small business that has Earl and he's had Earl for nine years and Earl just, you know, he transitioned to the new thing. He was the website guy. Now he's kind of doing cyber. Yeah. Yeah. What's a good assessment? I mean, I've had mine before, but what are some good assessments on that person? Because honestly, that person sometimes is hard to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should be having every year. You should be, even with an outsourced IT guy, you should be having, especially an, an in-house IT person or even a guy that likes computers, right? Just like mm -hmm. Earl, like you mentioned. <clears throat> you should be having a third-party cybersecurity risk assessment done. And the big factor you have to think of yourself, uh, it's funny, we did not come on here to have this conversation, but I love that we are. Um, <laughs> Whatever, we're on our way. It's great. No, it's, it's great, it's great. Um, but the big thing that you have to remember is, and the question you got to answer yourself, ask yourself, and, and I totally understand that you as a small business owner, that you're watching this, you've never spent money on IT. I get it, I totally understand, times have changed. What would happen if all the money in your bank account's gone? And then on the flip side, you went to file an insurance claim and they're like, oh, you weren't doing anything and we're not going to pay your claim. What would happen to you? And you don't have to answer that to me. You ain't got to answer that to Jason. You just got to answer that to yourself because that's a yeah. reality. That is a yeah. real thing that can happen in 2022 right, and beyond. Oh, it's happening in Bitcoin right now. I mean, you're seeing mm -hmm. just, I think there was just an article about Coinbase and they're saying that, um, that it can be compromised and people are just freaking out. Let's well, um, and not only that, here's, here's a great example that my friend had 75,000, not, not a huge deal, but had $75,000 in a, um, wallet. I forget what the, I forget what it was. I think it was uh, crypto.com. He had a crypto.com wallet and lost his cell, his cell phone got destroyed. Gone. Gone. He didn't back up his keys, didn't back up anything. He lost all of it. Gone. He has no access to it. So it's not only the making sure that you're CYA with hackers, but it's also making sure that all the things that you set up, like your crypto.com wallet or Coinbase or whatever it is, that you actually have backdoors in it before it's too late. Because he came to me, he's like, hey, I need to get access to this. I'm like, where's your phone? And, and actually, he what he did was he wiped his phone, moved to a brand new cell phone, wiped his old phone and his secondary keys were on his old phone and he wiped them 
and had no backups to him. So it's Dude, like a tough day. And he only lost 75 grand. Imagine, imagine that there's people out there just like you said that are losing their wallets to hackers and, and other things like this. How about the guy that lost his damn hard drive in a, in a, like threw his hard drive away with, I think 250 million in Bitcoin on it. And it's, a, and he spent a hundred thousand dollars to try and dig it up in a landfill and never found it. Like oh, that's the kind that of stuff too. that's, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that's really happening to people. But the thing that like, that's a rare beast. I understand that, but the hacker stuff is not, we are all yeah. fully capable of getting hit by hackers right now um, because they're casting out very wide nets and it's really easy to become bait. Let's uh, switch it up a little bit. I'll throw a changer on you. Let's mm-hmm. um, you, you, you ended up selling websites, you ended up transition. You obviously ended up more on the sales side than drove that understanding IT. We obviously talked about that mm-hmm. stuff. When, when did you decide to make this more of, I'm going to use the word juggernaut, but that's just the word that came up, but that, yeah. but it became a widely scaled decision. There came a time when you decided I'm going to scale my business and put yourself into a position of speaking and throwing events. And, you know, you would just spoke, we were just talked right now. You said that an event going on with about 300 people that are going to show up mm-hmm. that didn't start from, no. <laughs> you know, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So for, for sure. For it's sure. very interesting um, to hear because I think people, it's important that even the skill sets that people talk about, what I think you're going to share right now are risk steps that you decided to take. And that's what I think people need to hear. You mm-hmm. took a chance somewhere in there. You went, all right, here we go. Where was yeah. that shift? And you decided to change it to more well, of live events, bring people in that type of yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and I'm going to kind of, it's a little bit longer of a story. So I'm going to you know take a couple minutes to go through that, but yeah. it started with multiple steps and let's go back to that stamina, staying power, um, discipline thing. It goes all the way back to me starting my IT firm. I got really frustrated early in the IT firm. I had an employee embezzlement. I had a bunch of stuff and I didn't quit. And I started to build it up. And, and what I definitely was doing without even realizing it at the time was I was making a lot of decisions towards long-term profitability uh, terms, long-term value. And then one day somebody walked in the door to my IT firm and it was a, it was a phone call actually. So really didn't walk in the door, but they picked the phone and virtually walked in the door and said, Hey, we would like to acquire you. We're coming from Chicago. We want to acquire, move into the Milwaukee market. I was in Wisconsin and Milwaukee. Um, you are on our list. We saw your Facebook ads. We, or we saw your Google ads. There's no Facebook ads at the time. We saw your, your, we saw your Google ads. We know that you're a presence in the Milwaukee market. And because I was doing all the right stuff, kind of accident. I was doing it with the mindset of, I want to exit, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was just long-term contracts, recurring revenue, um, high ticket margins, high profitability margins, Chris out of the fold. So all that stuff that started there. And if we go all the way back to being a good leader, not wanting to be a control freak, but being an entrepreneur mindset. So all that stuff led to, I have a highly profitable company that runs without me that has long-term revenue, long-term recurring contracts, which made it valuable. That company snatched me up for seven figures and it was mid seven figures. It was good. good. Not, not a phenomenal, not a life-changing exit, but I shouldn't say not a life, not a retirement exit. Life shifting. Surely, surely a life shifting or life-changing exit. Um, my wife and I decided to move out of Wisconsin. We were done with the cold. We picked up, moved to Austin, Texas uh, in October. I'd sold that June of 2015, moved to Austin, uh, October of 2015. And I then took some time and looked back at what do I want to do? It took like basically a sabbatical, um, mm. which there's people don't do this enough. They don't take uh, time like, like yeah, pass. So stop mm. what you're doing. Cause I'm about to ruin. No, that's a different, that's a Dude. different line. <laughs> it's a lyric that <laughs> I'm used so, to. <laughs> right. I know. 
Um, so I kind of stopped what I was doing. And my wife was freaking out at the time, by the way, because we had some money, but I put a lot of money away for long-term stuff, which is still sitting out there. And I was, I was like, look, I, I need some retirement because I had been an entrepreneur. I never built any retirement. So I put a bunch of money in away and I took a little bit of a little bit of cash out for us to basically live on and move to Austin. And she was kind of freaking out. She's like, we just bought this new house, blah, blah, blah. Um, what do you, and this is again, 20, you know, this is May of, you know, end of 2015 into 2016. Um, what are you going to do? And I, and I was taking a sabbatical. I need to figure out what I'm going to do next. So I stepped back and looked at, I, I knew my vertical I wanted to go at, which is one of my core things. Pick a vertical folks. You don't have to only mm. focus on that vertical, yeah. but you're going to market to that vertical. And I looked at that vertical and I said, what thing is that vertical really missing? That I could fix. And there was a big marketing guru that I knew that I had been one of her understudies. She was, she was killing marketing. There was also all this service delivery stuff that was happening. And I knew I wanted to be in this industry because meaning the, the IT service provider industry, because I had this, I sold my, I built my company up to seven figures and sold it flower in my hat. Right. You got a story. And you got a story to, per, to market. Exactly. Exactly, mm -hmm. ex exactly. So I had all that and I knew I wanted to stay here, but it became one of those things of how do I take it and look at it. And, and as I was diving into it, and I had this like dawning of, oh my God, they need to know how to sell. These guys don't know how to sell. And Got at the it. same time, it was, and yes, and I still get in arguments with prospects now. You know, we all, you know, this as well as I do, we all have the haters that are all over the internet. My Facebook ads comment section looks like a, <laughs> Dude, you're the worst human on the planet. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I just I just had one this last week that was like this guy. This guy is the omega of omega douches. I had that. That was this week on my comments. I was literally I was laughing my ass at it because if if he actually met me, like if these people I, actually met us, they'd be like, this guy's so nice. <laughs> I'm I'm the further. You can probably tell this by shooting the show. You and I have never met before. Um, Dude, we've never met. Just like, at all. And we're just shooting the shit. Having fun. Like, we're not jerks just because we are successful. Doesn't mean we're scammers. It's, it's a long path. And that instant success that happened overnight took me seven years to get here kind of thing. Right. So, so really quick, let me kind of finish that. So I looked at what I, I focused on my vertical and this is, and if, and if you guys that are watching, you're going to take one thing away from this. It's pick a vertical, focus on it, and then solve a problem that they have. Don't try and be a jack of all trades, master of none, solve a singular problem that they have and destroy it and stick with it. And Russell Brunson says this, I, and I'm a, huge, I'm a huge Russell Brunson fan. He says that if you do a webinar every day for a year, you're going to make a million dollars. And he's spot on with that. Like I could not agree with that anymore. Um, and I basically did that. I didn't, or he said, if you do an, a webinar every week, sorry, if you, if you do it every, I don't know how, if I said that right, if you do a webinar every week for a year, You'll make a million dollars. Yep. And now even still, you know, we've reduced the webinars a little bit, but I do two a month. I do two live webinars a month. We put between three and 600 people on these webinars and we convert really well and we convert them all. You know, we, so we have a very solid sales strategy that turns them into that. So, you know, those, those couple of tips and that's kind of my path that got me here. And along with that, that staying power. When I think it's interesting that you brought that up because you'd brought up a thing um, and I was going to kind of bring it up here. I got to make sure I pull this thing here, but you'd actually brought this thing up and it was a little hack. And he said, I've been doing this 12 days of sales in my groups. Have you seen it? 
here's today. So where I was really getting at is because I, I believe in a lot of repetition. I believe that people undervalue repetition. I think that people undervalue the art of mastery of 10,000 hours. You don't have to do 10,000 hours to be better and make a living. I think that that's the part that I think people yeah. miss in that yeah. comment commentary. Become a master is like somebody that's, you know, they say that uh, they're a judo practitioner and their one judo throw is so incredible. They're doing it out of naturality. Yeah. But could yeah. you learn judo and start a judo school and teach judo? Sure, you could get to a certain level and do that. And I think that one thing that I talk about a lot, and I think that what I'm hearing from you as well, is like find something you can repeat to master. And scale, that repetition. And, and you got to be able to scale it because, you know, if you, scale if you can't, yeah. if you, if you can't scale it, and this is a, a good lesson of what I did too. So I, and, and some of this is by accident. Some of it had some purpose to it. And I was kind of looking at some other people and modeling what they were doing. Um, but I started out with one-on-one -on -one coaching. And as I moved into this, you know, and you heard me mention that my current IT guy was my first client. We started out looking at his stuff and analyzing him. And he's one of my bigger success stories because he's well over a million dollars a year now um, as a solopreneur. He's still kind of a solopreneur cybersecurity shop. But it all came around. I need to make sure I work one-on-one. -on -one. And then the challenge with the one-on-one -on -one is how many hours in a week you got and how many hours you want to work. I didn't go into being an entrepreneur so I could be a slave to the job. Um, so I got to like 20 clients and I was offering basically two hours of coaching a week. Well, do the math that ain't yeah, much free jammed time, up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but, but I had this plan of after, and I did that for 12 months. Nope. And this is a really big key. So I started out one-on-one -on -one coaching, did that for 12 months to build my curriculum, know that it worked all these other things, but I stayed with it for 12 months and I, we increased, but I knew I had a max like I, and I was definitely at the, at about month 10, I was like burned out because you it's sure? a lot. It's 40 hours a week, every week. And the trick was like, these people are all at different parts in their businesses. So you're just like having to reinvent the wheel for each one, like ah, all the stuff over the place. But I knew that I was going to take it to a group model. And that was my plan in the beginning to, okay, I'm going to make, you know, make sure this works, build my curriculum, make sure that's solid. I'm going to stick with it for a year. And I had made that commitment to myself and then we're going to move it to group. And the second I moved it to group and that group model still is almost exactly what we do today. I have a little bit more because I have a couple more coaches and some other stuff, but I do, I do two calls a week mm -hmm. for, for two and a half hours. That's all I, that's all I do for calls now versus, so I went from that 40, 40 hours of coaching with different stuff to two calls a week. One's an onboarding call uh, for our new clients. And we bring new clients in every week. We, we do about 30 to 40 brand new coaching clients a, a month. Um, so, you know, 10 to 12 a week, brand new class. And we teach them the same stuff every single week. And then it moves to, so Chris is on Monday. Then I have my head sales coach, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, she runs that. And then we have our head marketing coach. So we teach these guys sales and marketing training, but we make them go through the sales regimen first. But it all came down to, I started out with the curriculum, made sure that I mastered it. That's really you'll important. See me if you, if, if yeah. you look at any of my uh, social posts. I have this thing, master the strategy, delegate the execution. I say this a lot because it's exact and it's exactly what I, I practice, what I preach. So it was build that whole thing out, make sure that it worked, stuck with it until I knew that thing was a machine. Then I scaled it and I scaled it through group and through other staff in my team. I think um, it's so important to hear like what you said. It was like, you put your hands on the machine. 
And I think that a lot of people, what they're trying to do is they're trying to assume that that doesn't happen because the internet has automations and you can put out all these new things that will happen 10, 15 times after you make one move. You know, my trigger does all these things that they yeah. forget that you really don't know. You know, it's like, um, I was using analogies, but you know, it's like somebody that, that races boats or something. And they're just like, they know that motor in the water so good. They're like, something's wrong. Yep. Something's wrong. And they're like, what do you mean? You yep. haven't worked yep. on this motor before. You're like, nope, something's wrong. And I think that what you do is you build an instinct. And I think that you just start building these instincts and then you have systems that you can actually pull through. When, when you decided to go from coaching and then start kind of going in that model, um, mm -hmm. did you change the way that you sold? Um, actually, it's interesting because I sell exactly the same way now. It's just not me selling now. So the same model was uh, lead magnet into scheduled coaching call, which is a let's listen to what their issues are, ask some discovery questions. We're still doing exactly the same basic concept into let's present to them and then show them what our offer is. And then that turns into a closed deal. I just now have SDRs, you know, 50 lead sources that come down into strategy calls and a bunch of strategy calls that get booked every week. You know, we book 75 to 80 strategy calls a week now and sales. Is, and if anybody thinks that sales is a one-to-one -one deal, never going to happen that way. Sales is a numbers game. And we rough, we runly, we roughly run about a 39% close rate as we sit right now. Notice how I know that number. Got to know your numbers as an entrepreneur. It's really important stuff. Um, and so, so basically the same concept that I built, I mastered and I closed our first hundred clients myself. And then I knew I had a system that I could scale and I brought in reps and closers. And now we have, now I have a VPS sales that runs that whole side of things. And then we also sell sponsorship to our live events. So we have four live events a year. We're getting ready. In fact, if not for uh, our pandemic that we were into, we'd already be doing this, but in 2023, we'll be doing two events in Europe and two events in Australia. Cause I'm, at this point, the large, the world's largest IT services business coach. So it's, it's allowed us to expand internationally. And we have huge presence in Australia, huge presence in, our, in Canada and Europe as well. Dude, that's incredible, man. Dude, this has been awesome, man. This has been awesome. This has been an awesome show. You brought like a lot of value to this. How do people find you, man? Uh, you can, honestly, I'm Chris Weiser on every platform, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. I answer all my stuff, um, Instagram, I got whatever platform it is. Um, we're just getting ready to roll out. And, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys this too, because a lot of people want to come in and do this. Oh, I want to take myself, I want to build myself up into this huge guru. Um, I'm doing that now. So I built my plans up, built my system up, got it to where I could pull myself out a little bit. And we've, we've made the product seven figure MSP. It used to be Chris Weiser's inner circle. We branded it over to seven figure MSP. My coaches are starting. So I'm doing that same thing now where it's pulling Chris kind of out of it. That doesn't mean I'm going to sell it. That just means that I want to free myself up to do other things. So we're now building up Chris's reels, Chris's TikTok, all this other stuff, talking about coaching and coaching mastery. And we're getting ready in fall here to launch something. And this is the first time I'm going to say this publicly. We're launching Seven Figure University, which is going to be an entrepreneurship coaching program for the high school student, the person that wants to, you heard me talk wow, about my brother. Congratulations. So any, anybody that wants to go towards, I want, so, so we're going from that very specific niche 
So now the product is going to be the niche. So we're kind of flipping it and we'll see how that goes. I mean, I don't know, but it's a, it's a risk and it's just stuff that might happen, but it's one of those things that you absolutely have to do to scale and grow. Uh, so I think it's, it's really exciting stuff. So pay attention in fall. Uh, obviously you guys are welcome. I answer all my socials myself, just so you guys know that uh, that's by design. Cause I'm not a jerk, even though I'm the Omega of Omega douches, uh, according to one guy on Facebook. <laughs> Omega right? of the Omega uh, douches. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm up, I'm uh, tops in something at least. Right. Um, but, um, pay attention to seven figure university. You're going to see some big stuff and this is going to allow me to advertise in some mainstream stuff. Um, very excited about that. And we're looking, you know, my goal by the end of year two in that program is to become an accredited university that people can go to. Cause you and I both know being you know, yeah. your 40, 40s, you know, we're both 40s. Um, going to a, not going to a four year college when I was 18 was massively frowned upon massively. And my oh, guess is the man. Same, right. Yeah. I went so, in, it was like so, either go, it was going to sales, military, it's either going to car sales military or you go to college <laughs> yeah well, and, and actually i think trade school was bigger then than it is now oh well it was for, for me, sure right my, like my like go be a welder or a plumber I, for, sure, I for sure like my point to you guys you don't have to go to a four-year degree unless i mean hey if you want to and you have plans green light but um, like my wife's a registered nurse green Makes light sense. that's what Please. she wanted to do she's happy yeah. it, right but, but you don't have to go down that path and um Really excited about what, what the next uh, year to three has got, got in store for us. Dude, this has been awesome, man. Congratulations on your event that's coming up. And this Thank has you. been an amazing podcast, man. Let's do it again sometime, man. Yeah, I really can't, appreciate can't wait, it. Can't wait. Great talk. <laughs> Thanks Great a lot, man. Too. I love it. All right, we'll see you later. Chris Thanks. Weiser on the Moved Entrepreneur of Our Podcast. Thanks a lot, brother. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs. 